Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off. Franco Harris has it. And he's over. You may know Franco Harris as the recipient of the most famous play in NFL history, but the man from Fort Dix, New Jersey, had a legacy that spread far beyond the football field. That iconic catch and touchdown was just the beginning of his impact on his adopted city of Pittsburgh. And no one knows that better than his wife Dana and son Doc Harris. You know, people in Pittsburgh itself felt, you know, the end of the, uh, the steel industry, uh, depressed economy in America in the 70s, and then, you know, that re-glimmering of hope um, of a unique moment that people felt. Hi, I'm Danny Murray. And I'm Ethan Kovac. And welcome to Franco's Immaculate Legacy, a podcast about the impact Franco Harris made beyond the world of football and the quiet difference he made in countless lives. This is episode one, The Steel City Sweetheart. In this first episode, we will hear from Franco Harris's widow, Dana Harris, and briefly from their son, Doc. They'll talk to us about their lives with Franco and how much he did for the Pittsburgh community and beyond. Franco was born in 1950 in Fort Dix, New Jersey. He was a phenomenal athlete in high school, and in 1968, he came to Penn State on a football scholarship. Coach Joe Paterno had made a good investment in Franco. He totaled over 2,000 yards as a Nittany Lion, and was drafted 13th overall by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 1972 NFL Draft. Franco was a stud in the NFL from the start, winning Offensive Rookie of the Year in his first season. He would play 11 seasons with the Steelers, and the numbers tell the story. Nine Pro Bowls and four Super Bowls, and then induction into the Hall of Fame in 1990. But from the time he arrived in Pittsburgh, Franco made his life about so much more than football and Dana was by his side. He was always everywhere. If there was a cause to be um, supported, Franco was always interested. I, I think he was just wired that way. The first big one, I think I would have to say, and, and we don't just do one or two. We have done uh, every one that we could fit in, we have done. But the first big one that got a lot of PR would have been um, the readathon, the MS readathon in Pittsburgh, where kids got sponsors to read books. And now I'm looking where people want to ban books. Well, why did we teach them to read? You know, so, so it's interesting. But, um, yeah, he loved that. It was, it was a fun event. Dana and Franco met during their time at Penn State, long before his legacy had begun. Why did Franco catch your attention at Penn State? Dude, because he was cute. <laughs> and were your friends impressed that you were dating a football player? Was that something you dealt with? No, back then that wasn't so impressive. Um, you know, we were friends. We were in the same, we were in West Halls. That's where they put the athletes and a few of the girls that, uh, that were up here at the time. But um, we were friends for a long time, for a year, maybe two. Um, and we had a group of friends, core friends, because you couldn't roam the university and eat wherever you wanted. You had to stay in your, your uh, area, like West Halls. So you'd see everybody two, three times a day. And um, he was just always so quiet. And that was, that was lovely. But I think Doc will, will agree, he really learned to talk in the years following. 
<laughs> we would have to kind of take that mic away from him sometimes. But he was just cerebral, gentle, quiet, um, and when he said something, you knew it meant something. Harris was involved in many different philanthropic organizations throughout his life, and although they all held a special place in his heart, Franco's wife, Dana, believes that there is one that stands above the rest. That is really hard to answer. Um, right now, we have a program in Pittsburgh called the Pittsburgh Promise that gives scholarships, college scholarships, to uh, students who maintain a certain grade average, a certain attendance level. And Franco has been their, the chair of their board since day one. And uh, it's been two years in the making, but they're having their gala this Saturday night, actually. And they talked us into <laughs> being the honorees, which Franco was never about somebody, it was just never the accolades. You did it because you loved it, it was the right thing to do, and he is just huge on education. But because scholarships mean so much to him and to a lot of ballplayers I know and a lot of people, if you didn't get a scholarship, you didn't go to school. It made a difference. And, and I look at what Franco did just after that one scholarship coming to Penn State and just springboarding from there. Um, he didn't just do, like I said, one project. He was there for big ones, little ones, you name it, several in a day if somebody snagged him from one to another. But the scholarship issue and education in general is hugely important. It was a baseball player and manager, Tommy Lasorda, who first impressed upon Franco that his celebrity status after the immaculate reception had made him a role model. Lasorda once told Franco that each interaction with fans would become a lifelong memory for them. Franco took that message to heart. You know, he learned a long, long time ago that that might make a person's entire day, that one experience. And even though it happened to Doc and I like a zillion times a day, that could be that one person's connection to something. And if that's all it takes, signing your name, you just do it. So Doc knows I have no patience for guys who, athletes who believe their own press and think it's too much trouble to sign an autograph. Be glad somebody asked you. By virtue of being Franco's son, Doc Harris grew up in a world of celebrities. Yeah, I mean, I started going to the Super Bowl with my pops, uh, you know, I was around 19 years old. And uh, that was always, that was always fun because, you know, back, back in the day, you would see the craziest mix of people. Um, I remember, you know, we were there with the one time, and it, it, it's, it's, it's me, and you know, there's a, I have a photo of this. It's, it's me, and it's Pops, and it's Joe Paterno, and it's one of the Backstreet Boys, and it's one of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, <laughs> right? Like, like, like that kind of combination. You're like, what the hell, you know? Um, so you got to see a lot of, you know, celebrity famous people, interesting people, you know, role creators, uh, real, uh, real leaders behind the scenes where everyone's relaxed and able to connect with them, and that's really an amazing part of it. But even in that rarefied company, Franco often stood out as the one who never turned his back on a fan. Aside from his large philanthropic work, Franco is also a businessman off the field. In 1997, he bought the Park Sausage Company in Baltimore, Maryland, which had gone bankrupt. His son, Doc, saw it as more than a business move. It also preserved jobs and an important part of history for Baltimore's black community. So Park Sausage, you know, iconic brand, uh, the more Park Sausage mom, um, the first publicly traded African-American-owned company, uh, really an amazing 
opportunity. Um, the business realities of the 80s made it very difficult as uh, Parks lost a number of its uh, bigger clients. Competition went crazy and uh, Parks focus on providing good jobs you know, in the city of Baltimore uh, made it not quite as uh, economically viable as a lot of your, uh, your big food processing companies that you know, really push down wages and uh, don't treat their workers great. So Pops took it on as another project. My, my, like my mom said, uh, I think we kind of overestimated the actual business of running a factory, you know. Um, Super Bakery, we sell in all 50 states, sell internationally, sell to the military, you know, have a, really a great business program. But that next step up of uh, getting the factory and making your own product is, is pretty tough. But, you know, we feel very blessed that we're able to keep the, uh, the park's name alive, still sell some products with, you know, with that name, and are looking forward to expanding that back out. It's evident that the impact Franco had on his community can almost never be matched. We asked Dana and Doc if there would ever be another Franco Harris, and interestingly, they had different opinions. I'll tell you what, Ethan, I'm hoping there are people, but everybody doesn't have a platform. So last night, we, uh, they held the Impact Awards here, and, and like I said, everybody, every day can make an impact. Just by not walking past someone who happens to be sitting on the street with nowhere to go, if you just say hello, you made an impact. Why aren't there more? It's a different generation. I think so much is about the dollar. And that's unfortunate. But I'm not going to blame the guys who are looking forward to that because they've been created. So whatever they're making, someone is making more off of them. It wasn't that way in Franco's day. In fact, we look at what he signed a contract for, and uh, you got to chuckle. But um, there aren't more Francos. I, I'm, I'm just I'm hoping there will be. I'm hoping that that people realize that, but, but I think Doc will agree. If you didn't really experience Franco close up, you can't believe someone was that for real on so many levels and so many times. I, uh, I'm gonna disagree with my mom a little bit. I think there might be uh, a lot more people like him uh, that are floating under the radar because you know, a big part about Pops was he never sold himself doing that, right? It was never about the press, about the, the, you know, the notoriety or any of that stuff. It was really authentic. It's because he cared. So, you know, him being that level of elite, you know, world-recognized athlete uh, made him doing that more in the public eye. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have to believe that there are people all around who are doing that, who are living that same lifestyle, but maybe on a smaller scale, maybe not getting the press about it, um, but are still that committed, you know. Now, is there going to be anybody just like him? No. Those are impossible shoes to fill, you know. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's amazing being around that kind of blessed soul. And I think that has inspired a lot of people who are out there, you know, doing the grind and not looking for the recognition, not looking for the, the fame that comes out of it, but really doing it because they, they love people and love humanity. One of Franco's enduring legacies is that he was beloved by everyone, even his opponents on the football field. Here's one example that happened after his career-defining play, the Immaculate Reception which cut short the Oakland Raiders' dreams of a division playoff win with just seconds to go. Some of the Raiders thought that the refs had called it wrong, that the ball had touched the ground. Head coach John Madden and most of the players were fuming as they left the field. Okay, my favorite story. And let me be clear, we are all friends. Um, yeah, I, John Madden never got over it, but his wife, Virginia, was as sweet as could be. Um, but, but my favorite story about that was um, Franco was going to go home for Christmas, so I was taking him to the airport. 
And we decided we were early, so if one of those rare times we were early, and uh, we were just going to go get a Coke or Pepsi. Well, Pepsi, that's our favorite. But anyway, um, we go into the restaurant there, and it was totally empty. I mean, there was people were still in the streets celebrating, so there was no one in this restaurant except the entire Oakland Raiders team. We walked in there, and you could feel this before you focused on it. And all I could say to him was, uh-oh. <laughs> and he looked and realized, and you see all these eyes staring at you. And Mike Ciani, to his credit, because he and Franco had played in the All-Star game, he got up and came over and shook Franco's hand, and then we left. After Franco's death, many people posted their tributes and interactions with him online. It was eye-opening, even for Dana. She heard from people she didn't even know about who told her about acts of kindness and generosity that Franco had never mentioned. Maybe because helping others came so naturally to him. Because of his characteristic modesty, he never mentioned his own good deeds. You know, it, 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 it's funny. Um, there were things that we didn't hear about, and usually it was, um, you know, they, a lot of them were personal relationships with people we didn't know, people that, um, you know, never really reached out. And as we did, like, a public viewing, you know, there were just people we never met before coming up. And this, this one lady, she's about maybe, like, mid-50s, I'm guessing, and uh, comes up and she's talking to us. And everybody wanted to tell a personal story, which is interesting because that day was, I believe, uh, what, 5,000 people and it was maybe 10 degrees outside. Um, so the fact that that many people lined up and, and waited in line to come and talk with us is amazing. Um, but she comes up and she said, you know, hey, I was, uh, I had run away from home. I had had some problem with my parents. And um, I was downtown by myself. I was scared. And I heard this voice behind me saying, hey, are you okay? And she goes, and I turned around and it was Franco. And he said, well, what's wrong? And, and she goes, you know, blah, 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 tells the whole story. He goes, oh, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm going to get your taxi back home, okay? And he paid for my taxi and I, and I got home and I just never forgotten that. We've been talking with Dana and Doc Harris. Today's producers were Danny Murray and me, Ethan Kovac. Join us next week when we take a trip to Pittsburgh to speak with Teresa Kahn and the Pittsburgh Passion, a women's professional football team whose biggest champion is Franco Harris. I truly feel that right now just his heart and soul still lives with all of us. Um, just by the amazing support he lent. He didn't have to take a risk on the Pittsburgh Passion, a women's football team, but from day one, he treated us with respect. That's next time on Franco's Immaculate Legacy.